Exodus chapter 17. What I'd like to do today is begin with a testimonial and uh, just share some things with you uh, that will help you to understand kind of what I'm going to be doing for the next two or three weeks. I began last week with a message uh, that we discussed, where we discussed, um, what did I preach last week? Oh yeah, well, where we discussed uh, that let the whole world know. And we talked about evangelism and letting the world know uh, what the gospel is and who Jesus is. We, we discussed the fact that our church has always taken a strong position that uh, God died for everyone and everyone can be saved if they ask Jesus to save them. We've, we've always believed that. We've never wavered on that. And yet there are many that uh, have uh, a different view. And it's, it's, uh, to me it's startling and somewhat uh, sad at how extreme some can take their different view. And it can really hurt the churches uh, or actually drain the church of its evangelism fire and fervor. And, and I think that uh, potentially our church could suffer loss if we ever came under that, 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 uh, that extremism when it comes to uh, the wrong type of doctrine regarding the gospel and the whole world knowing about Jesus. So we talked about that last week and it was refreshing for me to be able to share it. And I had great liberty in sharing that. Today I want to talk about prayer. And I want to talk about a ministry that, uh, that was vibrant at one time in our church. Very, very vibrant and alive and large and growing and responsible for everything you and I enjoy today. Next Sunday, I want to talk about spiritual gifts. So I'm really having fun with this. Uh, uh, preaching series of sermons is my favorite thing to do. And I'll start a sermon series again when we, when we begin our, our Advent season uh, in, in about three weeks. But I'm really excited about preaching these random messages because uh, I, I feel as if these are areas our church really needs right now. These are things we need to hear right now. And so spiritual gifts next week. Now you say, well, what, why do we need to hear about spiritual gifts? Because at the first of the year, all of us are going to be challenged to be involved in a ministry on Sundays at Gospel Light, serving on Sundays, serving in the Lord's work, or serving even during the week. Opportunities that many of you right now are unaware of, uh, but you'll, you'll have the opportunity to say, you know, I, I want to be used of God. I want to serve the Lord. So what is my spiritual gift? What has God uniquely touched my life with and said that this is what he wants me to do in his, in his church, in our church? And I'm so excited because I'm praying for everybody in our church membership uh, to connect with that gift, to, to understand it, for the Holy Spirit to show you in a supernatural way, because it's a supernatural gift. See, he gave it to you. And that's awesome, isn't it? God gave you a gift. You may feel somewhat like, you know, I don't know what I could do here. I don't, I don't have a voice like that. I can't play those kind of instruments. Listen, folks, music may not be your spiritual gift. For some of you, that is obvious, okay? And uh, we're okay with that. I'm joking. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you people. So everybody can sing. It's just some of us not on tune, right? But the truth is, you have a gift that somebody that can sing doesn't have, you know? Uh, God has gifted you. And if you're sitting in our church and have been for a while and not found a place to serve, you need to know what that gift is. So that's next Sunday, all right? So don't miss next Sunday. But today I want to talk to you about a ministry that began that has really lost its fire. And I'm praying that uh, after much prayer and deliberation with God and focus on the passage of Scripture I'll be sharing with you today, uh, I've come to the conclusion that, that we need to have a rebirth of this ministry. Now, let me tell you where it started. In 2001, um, I got something in the mail from, um, from some organization called the Presidential Prayer Team. 
It was a, a, a neat advertisement. It said uh, that if, if you joined the presidential prayer team, that uh, they would, uh, they'd send you a coin. And I, I got my coin. Honestly, that's probably why I wanted to join it more than anything, is I thought the coin would be really cool, you know. And I kind of collect coins. I've got a, a collection of different coins in my office, you know, not... Uh, I'm not a big-time collector of, of coins, as in money, but just decorative coins. And it had a picture of uh, George Washington kneeling at Valley Forge. And uh, what the challenge was is that we really need to pray for our president. And I believe we do, whoever our president is. And we need to pray. We have that obligation. I mean, that's, that's something God tells us to do, to pray for those in leadership. And, uh, and so we have a leader in our country called the president. We need to pray for him. So the idea was that they were sharing with with America, and by the way, this group has grown now to well over a million people who uh, have joined the presidential prayer team. I'm still a member. I still get the information, and you carry this coin around, and the challenge was that every time you reach in your pocket and feel this coin to pray for, at the time, it would have been George Bush, and so I would reach in my pocket. I'd feel that coin, right, and I'd pray for President George Bush, and so this went on for about six months. I'm praying for the president, still pray for the president, but I was praying multiple times a day for the president. And, you know, I got to thinking about how powerful that must be for the president. Uh, how, much, how powerful must it be that there were literally tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people? Because I was thinking everybody was doing it like me. You know, I was. I was thinking, you know, man, if everybody's doing what I'm doing, which is what they ask us to do, carry this coin around, and every time we, we feel it, just say a, a word of prayer for the president and our nation. If everybody's doing that, good night. That's awesome. The president must really be blessed. I mean, he must be, uh, you know, having a, uh, a special uh, anointing on his life and, and wisdom to make decisions. And, and, and my, he needed to make some pretty tough decisions for a while there as we entered into that war with terrorism. And then it hit me. Wow. Man, how awesome would it be if, if people were praying for me like they were praying for the president? How incredible would it be if, if people were praying for church leadership at Gospel Light, like, like, like I'm praying for the president several times a day. So I came up with this really, you know, neat idea, I thought, to start a pastor's prayer team. I never quit the presidential prayer team. I'm still on that, and I still pray. But I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could start a pastor's prayer team? Well, we did. And it began to grow. It started small. started with just a handful of people, but it grew. Some of you were on that prayer team when it was at its peak we had an enormous amount of ministry going on surrounding the pastor's prayer team. During that time was uh, when these facilities came uh, available, during the, the peak of our pastor's prayer team. I mean, we had uh, about 125 members, and we would have on a Saturday night prayer meeting uh, upwards towards 50 people. And it was great because for about two years, all of these facilities that we're in uh, were, were, were not available. They were for sale but our measly offer wasn't accepted, and so they were trying to sell it to someone else. And the whole time they were trying to sell it to someone else, we were marching around their buildings on Saturday night. Some of you remember this. Some of you pastors, prayer team members, we would, we would march around the buildings at 9 o'clock at night, crying out to God that no one else would be able to buy these facilities but us. And they couldn't sell them. They couldn't sell these facilities. And so finally, about two years in, they called me back and said, look, uh, are you guys still interested? We, we, we understand you guys are walking around our buildings at night praying, sabotaging our efforts. And uh, I said, yeah, that's true. And they said, well, look, we're probably, 
you know, it looks like you guys have got a hold of God here. Uh, you know, can you make another offer? We made an offer which was less than half of what they were asking, and they finally accepted. During that time, our church had to raise about a half million dollars for the bank to even consider the, 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 the purchase of these buildings. And in about six months, our church gave $750,000. The congregation did three-quarters of a million dollars for us to be able to get the buildings, get in the buildings. We, we, we could not have... We wouldn't be here today. We would not be here today had not there been an emphasis on prayer. I can promise you that. The stuff that happened during that time, church family, the things that happened, the, the miracles that God could take a little small church on the corner of 3rd and South in the hood. This is the hood. That is the gangster hood over there. I'm telling you, man. I mean, listen, our church got broken into uh, 11 times the first year we planted this church. 22 windows were broken the first year that our church existed. We had no parking lot, no parking stalls. I mean, we were just a small little church with about 50 parking stalls on a corner. And for us to be sitting here today with all of this and the the miracle that God's placed in Hot Springs, I'm telling you, church, more than ever before, I know it wasn't ingenuity. It wasn't business savvy. It was honestly, it was hours upon hours and dozens of people crying out to God. And just one by one, he began to open doors and do miracles. I remember things like uh, uh, we had a man in our church that was trying to sell a house. And uh, we had something called the nine, uh, no, the uh, three-alarm prayer. And what it was is there's a three-alarm, uh, the, the highest, uh, how, do you, how should I say this, the, 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 the when, when there's a fire in hot springs or when there's a fire, period, and it is a blaze that is totally out of control and, and, and warrants the, not just one department to put out, but every department. It's called a three-alarm fire. And so I went down to the fire department and discussed that with the chief. And he said, yeah, when, when there's a three-alarm fire, he said, sometimes we'll go three, four years without having one of those. But when there is one, then every department in Garland County is, goes to that one fire. And we, 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 we attacked that fire to put it out because it's, it, 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 it's got uh, maybe other homes and it's, it could be a downtown fire, things of that nature. So I came up with this idea to have a three-alarm prayer uh, team a meet, uh, meeting. And that's when somebody had a, 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 a serious prayer request. So this guy said, look, I'm, I'm about to, they're about to foreclose on my house. And uh, he said, uh, you know, I need to sell this thing and quick within 30 days or they're going to foreclose on my house and it's, gonna, it's just going to be awful. And I'm going to lose everything. And so he called. I called the prayer team. We had about, I don't know if anybody in this building went to that prayer. Were you there, Kim? Okay, Kim was there. Maybe a couple of others. I don't know if there's any other, anybody remembers this, but Kim remembers. We went out to his house. And what we did was we held hands <clears throat> and in, the, in the front yard. And we just, we, did, we prayed for God to sell that house. Then I said, okay, guys, I want each one of you to go into each one of the rooms in the house and just pray in each room. And so it's an empty house. It's for sale. It's, you know, he's already moved out. They're foreclosing. And we're in the rooms and, and, and just praying that God would sell the house. And uh, we got in our cars, went back to the church. The next day he called me and said there was an offer on the house and it sold. The next day. Now, I don't, that didn't happen every time, but it happened that time. And we saw miracle after miracle. I mean, things coming to mind right now as I stand here before you that as a result of a group in the church that was on fire about prayer. I mean, we were, we were totally engaged in it. It was a part of our DNA. It was who we were. I mean, 
You thought of gospel light, you thought of prayer. I mean, we just had it all the time. We had prayer meetings. We had alarm prayer meetings. We had an 8 o'clock prayer meeting in this auditorium. We, we had prayer teams and prayer partners and prayer lines and prayer. I mean, it's prayer, 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 prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And then things kind of, the devil attacks and things happen and all of a sudden this happens and that happens. And then God's people begin to murmur and, well, this guy, you know, he doesn't call me back when I have a prayer partner and, and he prays too long and, and he talks instead of praise. And she, she uh, it, oh man, it just, the devil attacks and all of a sudden this guy drops out and she, it's just how the devil is, you know. And so over the years, it's dwindled down to where we have a small group of men that still call each other and pray. Our phone system blew up, so we barely got a phone system. We got a new one coming in. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And we lost the prayer line. And honestly, we, we've just seen, uh, as, a, as a corporate body, we've seen prayer become, I think it's important to individuals. I think it's, it's still something that we do in church. But it is by no means mainstream anymore in our church family. And I, I, God's been dealing with me. So, you know, a few months ago, Jim Maxim comes. And all of a sudden, we're having these prayer gatherings at the Hot Springs Convention Center. I mean, folks, if you went to one of those, you were blown away. I mean, it was just amazing. God's bringing hundreds of people together in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Now, every Thursday morning, this Thursday morning, I was at the uh, National Park Assembly of God Church on Malvern Avenue for an hour with about 30 pastors, and we're just praying and laying hands on each other and asking. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I can't even tell you the things that God is doing in the city of Hot Springs, but God has been speaking to me personally about, listen, we've got to get this thing going again. We just have to. Listen, church, I think more important than anything we do here, we can talk about all these other things. Websites are great. Media is great. Worship is great. But if we don't have a strong church when it comes to prayer, I feel like that we're going to flounder. We're not going to experience the supernatural, miraculous blessings of God. We're going we're gonna to struggle in our marriages, struggle in our relationships. I'm telling you, prayer is the most powerful tool known to mankind. And yet, it is the thing we do the least oftentimes. Now, Gospelite has a history of prayer, but lately, that history has not been what it should be. <clears throat> and as a leader, and as the pastor of the church, and, and as these elders begin to work with me, this is the first line of business. This is what I want to attack the first. This is what I want to go after first. This is not something you'll be made to do. This is not something you'll you'll have to do to be a member. We we didn't do it like that before. We'll not do it like that now. This is something that you'll have the opportunity to be a part of. And it will, I promise you, it'll change your life. And we're going to do it a little differently. So can I share with you over the next 20, 25 minutes, a few things that are on my heart. And uh, I pray that God will use the message. That's, That's my introduction. I'll go quickly. But uh, I hope that God will, 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 will at least ignite a fire in your heart for what God is doing in my life regarding getting our prayer team back going again. Here it goes. Let me give you a few quotes. Charles Spurgeon said this. Before God does any significant work, he first sets his people to pray. How many believe that? I believe that, don't you? Before God does anything significant, he first sets his people to pray. Therefore, if God... Has any plans for gospel light from here on? And we know, we know, we know God has worked in our church in days past. We've seen it. We've been a part of it. We've seen God start a Christian school, start a Bible college. We've seen God send missionaries out of our church all over the world. We've seen God uh, give us 14 acres in the, in, the, in the center of the city. We've seen God save 
hundreds and thousands, and we baptized hundreds and thousands in our 22-year history. God has worked significantly. But if he is to do it again, if God is to touch our church again, touch our school again, touch our college, if God is to do that, then it's going to have to begin with prayer. Someone said the early church prayed 10 days, Peter preached 10 minutes, and 3,000 were saved. Today, we pray 10 minutes, preach 10 days, and rarely see someone saved. I don't believe it's about long sermons anymore. I think if a man can't say what he needs to say in 30 minutes, he probably shouldn't say it at all. Truth is, is <clears throat> I don't think the need is for us to get together and have a 10-day revival with preaching. But I do think it might not be a bad idea to have a 10-day prayer revival. Just whoever wants to come. Who's the special speaker? Nobody. Who, who are we taking the love offering up for? Nobody. What's the budget? Whatever it costs to put a couple of lights on in the church, we're going to pray for 10 days. I wonder who would come. I wonder who would come. I wonder who would come. You see, that's what the church needs. Andrew Murray said, the man that mobilizes the church to pray will do more for world evangelism than anything else. Nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except for that which lies outside the will of God. And then finally, prayer is simply this, the definition of prayer. It's a conversation with God. It's what it is. It's an activation of your faith and a confession of your reliance on Him. And so as we think about this pastor's prayer team, I wonder who is the most influential member in our church? Who is that most valuable player at Gospel Light. Who is it really, really, who is it that, that is contributing more to the advancement of this church than anyone else? Is it the giver? Does Gospel Light need that millionaire, that multi-billionaire? Is that what we're missing? Would it be just, would it change everything if we just had somebody come to church next week and say, you know, I really like that message. Here's, here's a check for a million dollars. Is that... Is that what would influence our church more than anything? Is it the giver? And we need givers. We need givers. But is it the giver? Is it the staff member? Is it getting just the right person? I mean, getting somebody who can do this or do that. Is it somebody who can wax eloquent uh, on this platform or somebody that can lead a small group? Or is it getting the right elder in place? And, oh, yeah, that guy will help us. I mean, is it really the staff? Is it faithful members? And I thank God for faithful members. I thank God for low-maintenance members. I thank God for members that just come, and year after year, you're here. You're always in your place. It's predictable. You're predictable. We've we've got folks that have been here 22 years, and uh, I've been here 22 years. I love it. I want to be faithful. You're faithful. Many of you have been uh, just an incredible asset to our ministry. But is that that really, more than anything else, what gospel light needs is just another faithful member? Yes, we do. But is it? Is the faithful member the most valuable player in our church? What about, what about this? What about workers? I mean, I'm going to be talking next week about spiritual gifts, and I'm going to be appealing to the church to identify what God has uniquely touched your life with, because everybody here has one. You're going to identify that spiritual gift. We need you. Need you to get involved. Need you to work. Need you to get active. Need you to sign up. Sign up. Put your name on the dotted line. To be a parking lot attendant, to be an usher, to be a, in the choir, to, to, to help in the baptistry. Sign up to help in the bookstore. Sign up. Sign up. We need you. I'll volunteer, preacher. Is that going to change the course of our church? 
Is the worker the most viable player in our church? I propose to you this morning and attempt to convince you that the most viable players in our church are the prayers in our church. The prayers. They are the most valuable. There is nothing more important than someone who rises up and says, I will pray. And so if you're interested in a ministry that would help our church uh, break every attendance record and, and reach more people and, and bring in more resources, if you're interested in a ministry that can do that, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, not, it's not a better staff member. It's not a more eloquent speaker. It, it's not more servants. It is more prayers. It is people who say, I see it, I understand it, to touch the heart of God with my prayers, to to beg God, to cry out to God, to do that supernatural, miraculous work. That would be what would change the atmosphere of our church more than any other thing and take it to another level. You know, I... in, In days past, I had to read a lot of biographies just being in Bible college and going through... One of the things that they challenged us to do, and I would challenge you to do, uh, is to read a biography of a great Christian. There's a lot of great biographies out there. You read Moody's biography, you'll find out Moody had a prayer partner. If you read R.A. Torrey's biography, and you've probably never heard of, most people have heard of Moody, and many have, but Torrey's not as famous. But Torrey was a great, great evangelist of the late 1800s, and Torrey had a prayer partner. Mordecai Ham had a prayer partner. Billy Graham had a prayer partner. Somebody who held him accountable. Held them accountable. Somebody who they said, listen, we are going to pray together. Let's just note some things I have here just as we build. Leadership is important, but leadership determines maybe the church's direction. And structure determines the size of the church. And as we continue to build our structure and our governance and and the right kind of leadership, I believe our church will grow. And personnel determines the potential of the church. And relationships may determine the moral of the church. But prayer determines the effectiveness of the church. If our church is to be effective, it is going to be prayer. Prayer is the effectiveness of the church. And so let me give you a few things here as to why I believe we need to get our pastor's prayer team going again. I want to give you just quickly these things, and, and, uh, and I think that there's not much to say until the end. But listen to these notes and the, to these scriptures as we look now to Exodus chapter 17. Look at verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandments of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide. They're chiding with Moses. They're arguing. And they say to Moses, give us water that we may drink. Now, you got to remember this, church. We're coming off of the Red Sea miracle. I mean, just before this, God led the people through a, a Red Sea miracle. And all of the Pharaoh and all of his army were drowned in that Red Sea. He saved all of his people from the plagues of Pharaoh, and I mean, God showed up big time, and God saved his people, and God worked in their lives, and here they are, shortly after that, complaining again, arguing with their leader. And Moses says, why chide? Why do you find fault with me? 
Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us? I mean, the whole reason you got us through Egypt and the Red Sea, is, was it to kill us and, 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 and our children and our cattle to, 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 to die of thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord and said, and think about how, how sad this statement is. The leader, Moses, he lifts his head up to, to, to the Lord and he says, what shall I do with his people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. God, I don't know what to do. One reason we need a pastor's prayer team is because godly leaders come under attack. Leaders come under attack. And I'm going to tell you right now, hey, why I'm thankful that I pray for my president. And whether I'm in favor of his policies or not, the truth of the matter is, is my prayers are different for different presidents, okay? They they could be a little different. I mean, my focus could be a little different as, as as we live long enough to see different people in office. But as I pray for God to give our president wisdom, to protect him, to, to help him to lead our country, can you imagine how, how important it would be for us to pray for our leaders at church, to pray for those that lead us, who come under spiritual attack, who come under oppression, who can be attacked by depression, who can be attacked by Satan himself. Let me tell you something, church. Many of God's leaders are falling into sin. Now, I'm glad I can stand before you today so far and say that, you know, I, I, I have not fallen into a ministry disqualifying situation but i promise you this i am prone to i am if you think for a minute that i'm up here telling you that i'm some super christian that can handle anything and i'm just you know no listen i come into the same attack that many of our friends that you know and you have known have come under the difference i believe is prayer The difference, I believe, is a wall of protection, a wall of prayer. And I need it more than ever. And so godly leaders come under attack. Satan operates like this. He attacks oftentimes after a a great victory, as we saw in this passage, this great victory of the Red Sea and this great victory of deliverance from Pharaoh and his army. And and yet Satan is right. Think about about Satan when he came to attack Jesus in Luke chapter 4. The Bible teaches us that Jesus had just come off of a 40-day fast. Can I tell you something? When you fast for 40 days, get ready. Something's about to happen. I mean, God, only this cometh forth by prayer and fasting. And we'll talk about fasting in another message. But God wants to do a supernatural work. And oftentimes, he calls people to fast and pray. But Satan knows that too. And Satan gave his most incredible attacks other than the cross when Jesus fasted for those 40 days. Number two, look at verse, look at verse four again. And Moses cried it to the people and he said, what shall I do to this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And then look at, well, actually look at verse, look, verse nine. I'm sorry, fast forward to verse nine. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose you out men. I love this. And go out. Here's the solution. Choose some men, go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the, God, with the rod of God in mine hand. Number two, write this down. Godly leaders cannot do it alone. Godly leaders cannot do it alone. And Moses said to Joshua, choose you out men. Can I tell you something, church? I have a, have a weakness, and my weakness is that I will 
try to do things alone. I'm not real good at going after people. I'm not. I just, I, I'll do as much as I can do. I'll run myself ragged. That's just who I am. I'm just a workaholic. It's my weakness. But you know what I love? I love it when people say, Pastor, what can we do? How can we help? Give me something to do. Let's, that's what we need. That's why I'm so excited about what God is doing to build a, a team of elders here. Because it's not going to be, uh, as, as Robert testified about, the Lone Ranger anymore. It's going to be about a team of people and then a team of prayers and then a church family that says, you know what? Hey, we're not going to walk by some uncut grass. If we got a mower, we'll be at the church next week to mow that grass. Amen. That's the truth. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, see a need. I want to meet that need. I want to help that person. I want to reach out. I want to, I want to be a part of my church. I don't want to just be a sit, soak, and sour Christian. Amen. And this is what it takes. And prayer is what produces that. See, godly leaders can't do it alone. And Moses knew that. So he said, go get some men. Get some men. Get some men. You know what we call it? Intercessory prayer. That's what we call it. Intercessory prayer. This is where I say to you, I am going to intercede for you about that. I would venture to say that Chris Hall, who is here today in our service, praise God, and today is healthy enough to teach her class, amen, who fought through a battle with cancer unlike any, any, anyone I've ever seen fight through a battle of cancer. And she sits here today, and I promise you, she's grateful for doctors. She's grateful for whatever medicine was provided to help. But more than anything, she is thankful for the people who interceded. She couldn't do it alone. She needed Elisa Perryman to say, I won't leave your side. She needed uh, 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 church members that would take her up to, Lit- to Little Rock to those appointments. She needed help. She still needs help today as she teaches her class and doesn't have the same stamina. She needs those who have said, hey, listen, uh, let me help with this or let me help with that. Isn't that awesome? It's called, we can't do it alone. Number three, godly leaders are to inspire and influence the people. So we need prayer. Look at verse number 10. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses. Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Notice that the leaders, the the men whom God had put in charge, went up to the top of the hill. And why did they do that? Well, oftentimes, we'll see a leader on the top of a hill or on the top of a platform. You know, listen, you know why I'm on this platform today? Not because I'm somebody super special. I'm here to inspire you. I'm here to encourage you. That's why I'm here. I mean, anybody that stands on this platform and speaks the word of God should be one who has been in a, placed in a position of leadership by the people to inspire and to encourage them. But I want you to know that those who stand here are often in, in the most need of prayer. They really are. I confess to you today that I, I, I don't want to stand here and preach every Sunday without everybody in this building praying for me. I hope you didn't come today just, just to be a, a taker. I hope you came today and said, no, preacher, listen... I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you some time in prayer. I know you need prayer and you need God's power and you need wisdom to make decisions and help, help this uh, church become what God wants it to be. Number four, godly leaders are human. Look at verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy 
Oh, his hands were heavy. He, he's human. The great Moses, the guy that was responsible for Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Here's this great leader, this amazing man, Moses. I mean, the picture of leadership. And his hands are heavy? Oh, come on, man. You're the leader. What's wrong with you, boy? You should be able to preach. You should be able to do every funeral. I had a funeral of an eight-month-old eight uh, baby this week. I told my wife, I said, the hardest thing for me to do is to do a funeral of a baby. I messed up. From the day I find out about it to the moment the funeral is over, I can't function right. I found out Monday I had to do the funeral. I did it Thursday, and I promise you, I did it Friday. I couldn't function until it was over. It just, it, it just uh, it's so heavy. You can't imagine what it's like to know you've got to stand in front of people and be responsible to comfort a couple hundred people and families who have lost their child. And, and God gave grace and God gave strength. And I know many of you didn't even know I did that. And if we had the pastor's prayer line, you would have known. But the truth of the matter is, is it's heavy. It's just heavy. It's, there's a lot of emotions that go along with all of this. And we're human. And sometimes we just get weak. And, 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 and the work of the ministry can be so discouraging sometimes. 90% of pastors, they say, in a recent survey... 90% of pastors work more than 46 hours a week. 80% of, pa- uh, uh, say, pastoral ministry has affected their families negatively. 33% of pastors said being in the ministry is a hazard to their family. 40% say they experience a serious conflict with a church member at least once a month. 33% of pastors surveyed said they've been involved in immorality with someone in the church. So one out of every three pastors admits that they've been immoral with somebody in the church. 70% say they do not have someone they consider a close friend. Now, I'm glad I'm not one of those. And by the way, I'm not one of the other 33% too. <laughs> Who's recording this? <laughs> Let's go back and let me say that again. All right. I'm not one of the other either. Don't worry. I'm, my wife's down here like, oh, we need to talk after the service. <laughs> what would it be like if those men in this, in this group, what would it be like if they had somebody praying for them and interceding for them? What if they had a prayer partner? I, I can imagine things would be different. And then finally, godly leaders and prayer partners equal victory. Godly leaders and prayer partners equal victory. Look at Exodus chapter 17, verse 12 and 13. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were, re- were steady. They were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword, and God won the victory. Why? Because people rallied And I believe that's what it's going to take today. It's going to take people rallying together in prayer. I believe that we are on the verge of something great happening at Gospelite again. I really do. I just feel like it's, it's, it, God is doing, God is working, God is leading. I don't know what, where, how, when, I don't. But I know this, it starts with prayer. That's all I know. I know we better back up and punt. I know it's not time to raise a bunch of money. It's time to pray. I know it's not time to start another uh, large ministry. It's time to pray. I know it's not time to build a building. It's time to pray. I just know that. I don't know if any of those things are in our future, but I know this has got to be in our future, and that is prayer. 
We've got to pray and make no excuses. The benefits of a prayer team, quickly. Shared ownership of the ministry. Shared ownership of the ministry. And that's in a moment, I'm going to give you the three main emphases of our prayer team. I'm going to give you those real quickly. And that's where you have shared ownership. I'll, I'll explain that to you in a minute. Number two, spiritual protection for the pastor. And I need that. I really do. I promise you, more than anything else, I need God's protection. I do. I just need his protection. Uh, uh, pastor, is there something you need to tell us? Is there something we need to be worried about? No, I'm not taking depression pills. I'm not. I'm not seeing a doctor. I'm not seeing a psychiatrist. I'm not even seeing a counselor, per se. I mean, I'm fine as far as that. I'm, but I will tell you this, that I have come through a season of oppression. And I have come through a season of, of, of you know, moments where, you know, man, maybe I should just resign the church. A season of that. Now, I'm out of that now. Praise the Lord. But I came through that. And I, and I can't explain all of it. I can explain some of it. But I really was discouraged for a while there. And I just, I, I, I just know I'm prone for those things to happen. And I'm glad I'm, I'm better now. But I need spiritual protection. Number three, you, a benefit of a prayer team is it helps build your vision. It helps build your vision. You know, God says he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Who would have thought 22 years ago that a saved Roman Catholic altar boy and his wife and brother and his wife would come across this country of, from California, the Hot Springs, start a church in a storefront building in that neighborhood. Church, I'm telling you, there were nine murders within 10 blocks of our church the year before we planted the church. I have people telling me, are you crazy? Why are you starting a church here? This is like the worst place. You know, it's insane what God did. God did exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. You think God wants to do that again? He wants to build our vision again. And then four, it gives increased wisdom from God. We need God's wisdom. And a pastor's prayer team will give wisdom to the people. Number five, supernatural resources. And you need those things to go forward. I think the three main supernatural resources we need are people, money, and ideas. People, money, and ideas. People first. We need people. We need money to, 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 to be able to pay for the different the vision that God will give us. But we need ideas. What are the right ideas? What's the plan going forward? And then finally, open doors of new opportunity. Open doors of new opportunity. What is God want us to do next? What does God want you to do next? Who is the next small group leader? Who is the next spiritual uh, leader of our church? Who are the deacons? Who are the people? Who, what is the new opportunity God is going to give to you? So in closing, I give you these three emphases of our prayer team. And I'm right on time. Number one, the pastor's prayer line. Amen? You know what that is? That's when you call the church and our new phone system should be in uh, November the 17th, if I'm not mistaken. November 17th, 18th. Right, Matt? Something like that? Is that about right? 17th. And we should get that in. Brother Kim Moore is going to put his lovely voice over that. I can't wait to hear Kim's voice again. Amen? And uh, his voice will explain it all, get us to the right places, and then there'll be an extension. And I don't know how the new phone system is going to work. Hopefully, we can do it like we did the last one. But, hey, we like technology. We'll, we'll adjust. We're also going to have an email blast that goes out with those prayer requests as well. So we'll have a pastor's prayer line that you can call, 624-5288, extension 33-4, Jeremiah 33-3, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not, right? So that's all coming back, hopefully, before the end of the year. Hopefully by the end of this month, but I don't want to 
make promises I can't keep. So I got to figure out what, but if it's easy, it'll be done by the end of the month. The pastor's prayer line, it's awesome. And we're excited about it. Number two, the pastor's prayer partners. That's simply this. That's where people voluntarily commit to being a part of a phone call every day for a minimum of about five minutes where you pray with your partner every day for the needs of the church and for the pastor and the leadership every day. It's a big commitment. It really is. And it, it's, it's, it's struggling to survive now. I will say this. It is a blessing every morning to hear my wife in her closet talking to one of you ladies in prayer. And, I mean, you guys get it on. I'm telling you. I hear her. and Either, either she's praying or she's going, yes, yes, Lord, yes, yes, I agree, yes. And I'm thinking, that's either a weird prayer or she's responding to the person praying, you know. But I hear her do that every morning or... Sometimes it might be another time, but most of the time it's in the mornings. By the way, Charlemise, my wife, loved praying with you a couple of months ago. You were the perfect prayer partner. And then number three, the pastor's prayer meeting. We're going to start that up again. If I'm the only one there, it's fine. And you can't make everyone, but it's good. I'm really feeling led to make it an earlier Saturday meeting, not a later Saturday meeting. I think at 5 o'clock is kind of what I'm thinking. And whoever can show up and pray will have a 30-minute, 45-minute prayer meeting. We'll begin to pray for Sunday, pray for God's power. And we'll just see who shows up. We might have five, ten, three. It won't be about whether you're a good Christian or not. If you show up, it's probably going to be whether you can fit it in your schedule or not. But we're going to have the pastor's prayer meeting. And then fourthly, and I'm so excited about this, we're going to have a pastor's prayer room. It's called the, the Champion College is calling it the Champion Baptist Prayer Furnace. And this is awesome. They put this together. Listen to this. They're going to have a prayer request wall. This wall is dedicated to the request of those who come to pray. It's going to be available to anyone who enters. You can write your prayer on the wall. You can put your name next to it. Or you can just write the anonymous. Just write it up there randomly. This room is being remodeled right now. And I'll tell you what happened is I, I, the kids came to me and said they wanted, wanted to know if, if we had a room on campus, they could, they could turn into a prayer room for the church and for the college. And I said, sure. So they came to me and said, look, we need to raise a couple hundred bucks. Well, I was talking to Jim Maxim. You know what I'm talking about, the guy that came down here. And I told him about this. He said, no, no, we're not going to do that. You tell them to write up what they need, and I'll pay for it. And so they just handed me something that uh, all their needs, they want, it's pretty big. It's, it, they got computers and music and surround sound, and it's 2000 bucks. And so Jim Maxim is paying for that for us to have a $2,000. It's going to have 24-hour prayer and worship. It's going, to have, it's going to be open 24 hours. It's going to have seven or eight different stations. It's going to have a personal revival station, an intercessory wall, a missions wall, a Hot Springs, Arkansas wall. It's going to have worship music playing 24-7. And, and we're going to make that available for our church family to come and pray as well with the students. Isn't that great? I mean, I'm telling you something. Hey, prayer is becoming a premium again at Gospel Light. It's going to, now, it can't happen overnight. I learned that already. The key word to all of this is the word develop. We have to let it develop first. It's not going to happen tomorrow. I'm excited. You're excited. But we can't. It's not like wave a magic wand. But here's where it starts. It starts right now with you asking yourself the question. You know what? When they actually get this thing going, am I going to be a part of it? Am I going to commit? Am I going to say, you know what, Eric? You're right. You're right. I remember those days. If you were here, if not, I'll tell you what I'm asking you to consider. But if you were here, you remember, you can't deny it was powerful. 